This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, Griffin Schiller here from The Playlist, back again with another interview. This time, we're talking with the producer of Mortal Engines, Mr. Peter Jackson. The man needs no introduction. He is the mastermind behind the Lord of the Rings trilogy, King Kong, the remake in 2005. And I had the delightful privilege to sit down with him and have an excellent conversation regarding working on Mortal Engines, his documentary, They Shall Not Grow Old, along with getting some insight on Tintin 2, the Amazon Lord of the Rings series, and much more. It was an incredibly delightful and insightful discussion. The man is something else. I could have talked to him for longer than I did, but I'm fortunate for the amount of time I was able to spend with him. So without further ado, here is my interview with Peter Jackson. Starting with Mortal Engines. So uh, oh. it's been about like a 10 year journey for you, starting from when you first purchased the rights back in 09. Um, and even though the source material has stayed the same, I'm curious as to how the project and the script have kind of evolved over that time. Uh, were there certain elements either in earlier drafts of the script uh, or from the book that you had to cut out as just a result of No, no, it didn't really work like that because we didn't write a script until after, after The Hobbit. Okay. Um, I mean, it was, one, it was a film that we wanted to make, obviously, and bought the rights to it. But at the time, we, we got the rights. We were doing Tintin, I think, uh, District 9. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, we weren't going to just, we weren't able to just start working on it then. We, we, I, I wanted to get the rights so no one else could get the rights. You know, yeah, you, you oh, get absolutely. it, yeah. you get it to take it off the table. But it's, um, um, but but then we did, and then we had the Hobbit come along, you know, and yeah, I mean, we sort of dabbled in, in odd little pieces of little gaps we had. We we did some design work and things, and some conceptual art, but mm-hmm. not, nothing. There was no script. No no script was there was. Um, we we couldn't. We had no t- no. We we yeah, script needs about six months window and there wasn't one and we went into Hobbit and and it wasn't until at the end of that we could finally sit down and, and get it written so well, what was that process kind of like getting the, the stuff to were you was it pretty easy to kind of pull from the book or well it's never easy I don't think the, the easy word is one we should never never use in terms of in terms of writing it's a, yeah. study. <laughs> it's a puzzle I always I always regard it as you know writing and actually filmmaking too it's not just the right it's like a giant jigsaw puzzle. It's a big puzzle, mm-hmm. and you know there's a correct way. To, so there's a way to put the jigsaw puzzle together that sort of makes it look make sense. Mm-hmm. And there's a way that if you if you don't do it that way, it could be a complete mess. You know, so you're always trying to sort of figure out that 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 that, that puzzle. And and what what it what I try and do. What's I think one really important thing. You know, the basic process of of writing a adaptation of a book. Is is you know it's really just converting. It's it's it's, it's, it's you've always got to stick to a, a cinema structure and a cinema and, and it's very it's always different to what a novel is because the novels you can have people you know what their thoughts are. The author can talk about what's going on inside people's heads and you know it can be talk about backstory, you know that you fill in all the gaps. But in a movie suddenly you can't do that sort of thing and so it's always. But but the one thing that is is a tricky thing and and that's something I try and do. Is that you know you by the time you're writing uh, the script you, you've read that novel you know you know fifteen times right. backwards frontwards you read chapters t- thirty times you know certain cha- parts of it you've, you, the, the book's got notes all the way in the margin it's got hi- hi- highlighted stuff through the passengers and and suddenly you know 
it's sort of it's just become something else. And so I always I always try to remember as we work on the script, you know, remember what it was that, that I loved about the book the first time I read it. Because mm-hmm. you can forget, you can actually, you can become dis- dis- disassociated with that first experience because you just get lost in all this stuff. So I think it's always kind of, you know, what, what was it that you loved about this book? Why do you want to make it into a film? What, what, what were the characters that you loved? How, what happens to them that you were really emotionally affected by? What's the exciting bits of it? What's the boring bits of it? You know, just, re- re- just remember what, what, what that first reading experience was. And that ideally... That the elements of that, and as you know, sometimes restructured differently. Elements of that should be the what's actually on the film, yeah. Because that's what you're doing it for. That's you're doing it because you read it and, and you thought it would be a great, a great film. Yeah, yeah. But it's so easy to lose. It's so easy to sort of to come dis- 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 disassociated with that first experience. You know, uh-huh. it's, um, you know. Well, and were there ever times <coughs> where like, you had to like kind of like think twice about uh, moving forward on something, or like where? No, no. Well, you're always th- you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, you are thinking twice yeah. and three times and four times all the all the time. You're always sort of sort of running it through. If you don't, even when you're not sit, sitting writing, you you know, even in bed at night, you're running it, running it in your head. Yeah, and the next yeah. when you go to the, the shops to buy, you know, you know, you, you know, on, on the in the car on the drive there, it's running in your head. It's always you never can once you're once you're in the world of making a movie and writing and adapting something, and you 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 you're you. You can't escape from that. You, you know, there's no escape from it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not a day. To, it's not a day job. It's not a it's not a nine to five job either. It's it just <laughs> it does take it does fill up every every waking waking moment from you know, which is both good and bad. You know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, uh, obviously, Christian Rivers directed the film, and he you know he worked mm. as a storyboard artist. From, mm. I believe when he was like seventeen, right, or something mm. like that. Uh, yep, yep. Um, yep and so yep. I'm just curious, you know, watching him grow from a storyboard artist into like the director of a big budget feature film. Mm. Um, what was like to watch his skill set evolve and like what did it mean to you as a mentor well he's been you know we we've got chris i mean we've got christian and, and you know several other people that have been part of our kind of film for making family that's what new zealand's like that's why it's nice making films there because yeah. it's like you don't just have the this, this massive group of, pe- of thousands of people that you know come and go and some films you're working with these this people some films that you've actually it's, it's much smaller country than that and so we tend to end up working with the same people most of the time and you you know and and especially with, when it's somebody like Christian, when he's he's you know he starts as a storyboard artist, but he wants to direct films, and the storyboarding is great because because it's a visual storytelling, and I can see that he's got great strengths with the visual storytelling, because that's what filmmaking really is, is as much as anything is um is the you know the that that you once you've got a screenplay as a director, you, it's all about the how you what you actually show as you're shoot, shooting it, what what the, what the pictures are. Um, and he was then. Uh, uh, what, what really happened with Christian is that he he did a lot of second unit directing for us on the Hobbit films, and that was the first. That was the first time I'd been on a sort of on, on seeing him at work on a film set. He'd he'd, he'd made a, a little short film, and he'd done some previews for it for me, and you know, which is a bit like filmmaking, a cartoon cartoon form. But this is the first time, and I just thought he was he was really doing great work, and the results were really good. Yeah. And and what were and so it was clear that um, when the Hobbit was finished, it was very clear that he, the only place for him to go was next was to um, was to become was to find a feature film to make, mm-hmm. and I just didn't I didn't you know and we, and we had Mortal Engines which was sitting on the shelf for six years or seven years and and I always thought I would, I, I'd I'd be doing it, mm-hmm. that was you know I just assumed that I would. And then I, but then I realised that he's that Christian's going to go off and make a feature film, and I just didn't want him to do it with somebody else, because it just <laughs> it just felt wrong that we he'd worked with us for so long, and 
and we thought he was doing terrific work and so why why shouldn't we be the ones who actually help produce his film absolutely yeah. and and and, I, and so you know at that point i thought well I, I thought i was directing this film but i actually it's going to make much more sense if Christian does it because it means we can help him direct, direct yeah. his first film and it's obviously perfect for him because he's got such a lot of confidence with visual effects because you couldn't put a, put a film like this in the hands of a first-time filmmaker who'd never done a visual effects oh, before absolutely. because it would just, yeah. it would, their heads would explode. Be, yeah. But Christian's got a very, you know, he's absolutely uh, comfortable with, with, their whole, with the whole, you know, the technical side of the visual yeah, effects. I I mean, all you, you know, do is just so. look at the, the previous sequence for, like, the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex fight. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. it's incredible yeah. stuff. But um, I do want to touch on another film you have coming out, which mm. is They Shall Not Grow Old, mm. Um, mm. which I am dying to see. Mm. It looks absolutely fantastic, and you utilize mm. some remarkable technology to kind mm. of resurrect the dead, for better, mm. uh, lack of better terms. Yeah. But, um, and so, I was, you know, for people who might not be familiar with it, if you could just speak on a little bit about it. I know it's been a passion project of yours. Well, it's, it, yeah, I mean, it has. It wasn't one that I ever thought I'd be doing. I, I, um, I went to, I was in London. I think it was a premiere of the last Hobbit film, actually. in London about four or five years ago. And the Imperial War Museum asked me to come in for a meeting. And they were commissioning projects of different sorts as part of the centenary of the First World War, which is, it was, was pretty big in the UK and New Zealand and all the, the, old, the old empire countries. And um, so, the, so they were laying out a four-year program of government-funded sort of projects for different people to do and different different types of projects. And one of them was a documentary they wanted to have come out at the, to, at the, at the in 2018, which this was about 2013. It felt like a long, long way, way yeah, away. Yeah. And they said, would I be interested in doing this documentary? It was one, it was something they wanted to do and they didn't have anyone that they were to do it. And I said, well, what, 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 what is it exactly? And they said, it can be anything you want. So it's a bit of First World War. You can take any approach to the First World War, whatever you like. So I had total freedom, except they said the only thing is we want you, we want the film to be made up entirely of our original First World War footage, oh. and they've got one of the biggest archives of World War One footage in the world. I've got hundreds and hundreds of hours of stuff that was shot, uh, you know, a hundred years ago on the Western Front, and um, and a lot of it I, I, I've, I've seen do documentaries over the, the decades, and so you, you know you see the same shots over and over again. But there's a lot there that was quite. You and so I said, but they said, you know, but we want our our film archive to be used in, a, in an original, and 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 fresh kind of way. And I think, what well, how 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 can you be original and fresh if you've got a hundred year old <laughs> silent footage? What? The, yeah, yeah. And anyway, so I said, well, look, give me a, give me a, a little bit of time to ever think about it. I'm I'm interested, but I don't know what the hell I could do. But let's have, let me ever think. So then I got back to New Zealand, and I and I said, and I just started to wonder how well we could restore this stuff using our computer equipment that we've got down there they're using our, our visual effects teams um, mm -hmm. you know you know and it was a question I didn't know the answer because I've never done it before and and we've seen people restoring films obviously but but you know I, I just thought this is this would how well could we restore it could we make this really crappy damaged hundred year old grainy jerky um, uh, sped up film could we make it look like it was shot now mm -hmm. I mean can we can we actually do can we do do that or, yeah, or yeah, not yeah. so I so I so I was intrigued and I um I so then I went to the and this is I mean I didn't I still didn't know what the film was but I, I but I so I had to start at the first base was this, this idea of this footage and so I went I got them to email out scan some of it at 2k mm -hmm. in, in London and, and I mean and then they just sent it down the way I said just send me three or four minutes because I just want to have a play around with the restoration. And they said, okay, sure. And they sent down three or four minutes and, you know, scanned 2K. Yeah. And we spent several months trying to analyse and figure out how to restore this stuff. 
because it's got multiple different t types of damage over the, over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah, right, right the way through to the fact the film shrunk, you know, and so the sprocket holes are all over the place, it jerks around, and, and some of some of the film is is multiple dupes of dupes of dupes of dupes, and so you know, so everything had to be approached in a different different uh, way. So we developed this whole little computer smorgasbord of of kind of, 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 of different techniques that we, and we had to figure out what order to do them all in. And, we, and anyway, when it finally came off, when the, the, the end of the um, other thing, I was absolutely, I was stunned beyond belief. I could not ever have imagined how good this stuff could look. Oh, yeah, I mean, so I mean, I just really, I just, I was just almost, my, jaw, my jaw, jaw dropped open. So at that point I knew that, okay, I can use their film archive in a fresh and original way. Mm -hmm. And that's all. It's, that's all the film is. It's going to be as we this, this footage. So what? What? What are we? What are we going to do? And then I found. I asked for all the audio interviews they had from veterans of the First World War, from the 19th. But I said only the 1960s and 70s, so that they're reasonably young guys. They're not. You know, they're in their 60s basically or early 70s. They're not 100 years old or, or 95 years old. Right, like. right, right. I didn't want feeble old men talking. I wanted some people that were a little bit more sort of yeah, so you kind of yeah, you juiced up. And then I found the BBC had 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 done a, a, a documentary on the First World War in 1963, and they had interviewed hundreds and hundreds of veterans, and on quarter-inch tape in the studio, and none of no, no one's ever heard most of the stuff. And I said, give me, give me, give me that, give me, give me that, and they did. And um, and so I listened. I listened to 600 hours of audio, and from that I pulled out the I just I just pulled out what I what I wanted to I I thought the story that I wanted to to, to see and to do eventually became the not about the First World War at all yeah. not not about the strategy tactics nothing about politics nothing about the generals nothing nothing about battles in particular it was just the experience of being a soldier in the Western Front yeah, for sure. and that was most interesting because I hadn't heard the stuff I'd heard plenty of stuff guys talking about certain political things and you know but, but I hadn't heard about what they ate you know not really and, and what they how they slept and lice and the rats and the rats eating corpses and, and yeah, then all this I mean all this right, stuff right, which right. is like you just think my god and so that was and so it sort of the film sort of found its own life it so it was so we've got so it's 120 different first world war veterans 120 different men who are telling one common story sure. of an experience of being in this yeah. war so that's, yeah. that's amazing yep. uh, could I give him like a, a quick rapid fire round of questions? Okay, awesome. Just real, real quickly. Uh, Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Do you have anything to do with it thus far? I know you've been approached to look over some scripts, but uh, uh, well, I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been approached to, but there's nothing for me to do until they have scripts, and and it was never an option for us to do scripts because we were busy on all these other films. So, sure. so yeah. I just said, look, I mean, look, look, my my philosophy is that I. I I'd love to help them in some way if I can, and if I can't help them, I look forward to seeing it. So, oh, so right, you, you yeah, know, so so, so there's nothing, there's nothing really, there's no, there's no actual news about that. that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yep. Okay. Tintin, yeah, Tintin Two still in the works. Uh, yep, 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 yep. I know that, that's all. That, that will be, um, that will be hopefully in the next year, year or two. Yep. Awesome. Can't wait to see it. Uh, last one for you, and I hope you appreciate this. So, Apple released uh, AR Kit. Wingnut did a demo of the AR storytelling experience. Yes, yep. Where do you see the future of AR filmmaking um, in terms of just you know storytelling, where the medium can go? I don't know, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I mean that in a good way. I think that's what's exciting about AR is that you are you're at a time that, that in the movie world would be you know, you know comparable with the Lumiere brothers or D.W. Griffiths' very early early 
films, you know, you know, you're at a point where people, like in the in the movie sense, people were discovering the close up for the first time, or discovering a tracking shot, or discovering, you know, you know, you know, how to edit from one shot to the next. I mean, there was that whole pioneering time of that twenty odd years at the beginning of the of the last century, which is like people, the whole language of film was sort of was invented and 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 and, and experimented with, and I think that's where AR is right now, and I think that's is exciting because I. I am, um, so I am, you know, we are doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it's just, you know, it, 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 we, we, I mean, the tr trouble with the AR is that the actual delivery hardware, you know, the glasses or phones, isn't quite, you know, you know isn't there yet to be if, what, if, what everyone wants it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in the meantime, we're, we're playing around with ideas and concepts of things but while, we're, while we're waiting for these companies to actually build their glasses and build their screens or whatever the, whatever the future's going to be for all these different AI companies. So, so we're just, um, I think it'll be another year or two at least before AR gets really serious where, because it's just uh, the actual, the, the mechanism of viewing it is not really properly uh, available and not where it should be yet. So, Absolutely. so, so, so I'm looking forward to it. It's, you know, and, and um, I'm, you know, we've got a few, few ideas for um, things. Well, there you have it. That's the interview with Mr. Peter Jackson. Hopefully you all got a lot out of it. And I want to emphasize this, please go seek out. They shall not grow old. Peter Jackson has been doing some outstanding work, revitalizing old footage. And hopefully you got something out of this interview, but until next time, thanks for listening and take care.